Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Master as he travels the Vortex and is thwarted by Doctor Who and arrive at episode 490. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. Twitch, How are you guys Twitch, doing? Twitch. <laughs> Twitch. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> it's been made canon in the show itself. Sean, yeah. So I don't know what you're preaching about. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I reject that reality and substitute my own. <laughs> Do you guys do any fun thing? Do you guys do anything fun this week? We got a puppy. Yeah, I heard. I saw uh, your pictures. Yeah, of it. how'd that come about? We've been discussing it off and on for a while. Um, so no, this isn't a rash rush decision, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's kind of always wound up being backburnered. And then I, I don't know why we waited because during the actual lockdown and pandemic, it would have kind of been the perfect time <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> guys locked in the house. Let's Body get her a train pet. dog. Yeah. I, we're home all the time. This is great. Yeah. We didn't quite think of it until now when things are opening back up, but, uh, we have, uh, we've been looking at some, uh, some rescue pups and, uh, found Jarvis and uh, he was uh, he was part of a, a hoarder situation. They uh, apparently the, the gentleman who had him uh, had about forty seven dogs on his property and wow. uh, suffered a heart attack. And somebody finally, after about three weeks, went to go check on him and found all these dogs. Huh. So uh, they they were rescued and uh, been rehabilitated, as it were. And we kind of fell in love with Jarvis and. It was, it was a close call. Uh, Jarvis and his sister, Gloria, uh, were both both cute as a button. Uh, she looks just like him, but is all black. And uh, we're not even sure what their lineage is. Mom apparently was a, an itty-bitty thing, no, no higher than your shin. But uh, uh, we think Jarvis probably has some German Shepherd in him just because of his markings. <laughs> he looks a little bit German Shepherd. He does, yeah. yeah. Which I hope is not a, a portent of things to come, because we're, we're kind of looking for, you know, a 40, 50-pound dog. I don't want to go any bigger than that. And <laughs> I keep looking at his feet going, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> These were a lot smaller last time I saw you. <laughs> you haven't had a dog since, uh, Sha- uh, was it Shasta? Lonnie. Lonnie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was Kalani. the last one. Now, Mel had uh, uh, Prince. Who was a German Shepherd, right, but she also had a right. yard to put him in. So okay, I do remember Prince. So that was a bit different of a situation, but yeah, we we brought him home, and he's been introduced to Shy and a bucket full of toys, and he's determined that he can potty anywhere in the house already. And it's like, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> he's introduced himself to Captain the Cat, who is not happy about this turn of events. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's that was kind of our big thing this weekend. Cool. Did you guys watch anything? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm so far behind. I I keep looking at the at the calendar, going, man, Oscars is next week. <laughs> I've, I've seen two of the eight Best Picture nominees. Oh, I'm sure I haven't seen any of them. Oh, I'm so far behind. <laughs> so I don't I don't I don't know what my voting is going to be like this weekend. Keith, you watch anything? 
Uh, I finished reading Light of the Jedi. Oh. Oh, how is it? It was pretty good. Um, I, it's hard to give it a good review because it also is setting up a lot of stuff for future novels and books and stories and all sorts of comics and everything. But it's a good start. Um, a lot um, of heavy lifting, I picked world the, building going on. Yeah, a lot of that and a lot of, you know, characters. You got to introduce a whole bunch of new people that we've never met before. And there was a lot of repetitive descriptions of what's going on and what's happened and that sort of thing. But I kind of took that with stride and understood what he was trying to do. And I'm looking forward to reading more. I've already started the the book that happens concurrently. That's like the young adult novel. So I'm I'm definitely enjoying The High Republic so far. It's It's good. I recommend it. Thank you, Sean, for the loan. Absolutely. Anytime. And it turns out it's still available on the uh, Disney Insiders rewards. Oh, is it? So I just snagged myself a copy today. Excellent. Gotta use those so Sean, I'm so Glenn, if you want one <laughs> and you have the points, that's a free copy. I'll have to check it out. It's physical, but you know. Oh, that's all right. I still don't mind a physical book from time to time, even though I prefer the digitals now. Boy, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just like them for the convenience. I know, but I I, I, I miss the smell of paper. <laughs> Something about cracking the spine on a book for the first time and hearing that creak and the, <laughs> the, the, the smell and the weight of it in my hands and not glowing screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a cup of tea in a fireplace. I'm all set. I read a couple of uh, books. I read uh, Emperor of the Daleks and Nemesis of the Daleks, which are collected comics from, I think, Panini. Um, that uh, I think IDW put together in these collections, or maybe it was who was before IDW. Panini, yes, was before IDW. No, um, Titan, IDW. Uh, yeah, I think they are Panini. Now I think about it, they are the Panini collections. Anyway, because uh, it was Pan- it was a Marvel before Panini. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, but I was thinking. I mean, at least here. I was thinking there was another one in between there because because panini wasn't ever panini ever never actually put comics out it was marvel us that was putting out the the uk version the marvel uk versions of the comics and then we didn't have comics for a long time and then idw picked up the comics oh, so, i don't know that i knew that yeah so you could get you, you'd obviously get the comics strips the ongoing strips that were in the doctor who magazine and then a lot of those were collected into graphic novels but yeah i, I pretty sure that was there was a there was kind of a gap in actual comic books for a long time anyway these are uh, collected sylvester mccoy or uh, uh, seventh doctor stories and they were both pretty good it was uh there was some stuff that i had come across and read in the past and there was some stuff that i hadn't so that was a lot of fun to do um along the lines of doctor who i started listening to well i i finished uh dalek universe protocol uh, da- uh dalek protocol which is a prelude to Dalek Universe Dar- <laughs> Dalek Universe One, uh, Dalek Universe Dalek Protocol. I think that's what it's called. Uh, is uh, a Fourth Doctor and Leela story, and mm-hmm. it is kind of like a prequel to the set. Uh, double checking here yeah the dalek protocol and uh it's got uh well anya king kingdom and mark seven in it 
And I we were warned by Jamie to be careful because Anna Kingdom is actually in stories before this particular set that comes out or that came out. Um, and I knew that going into it, but the, now that I've listened to it, I think, okay, now I definitely need to go. Of course, I'll just wait until we get there as a, as a group because it's, I think it's the season seven or season eight of the fourth doctor adventures is when she shows up. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'll have to wait now and <laughs> go back to those, but it'll, but it'll be nice to kind of get some of that backstory filled in, but it was, it was a really good story. I, I enjoyed it and it made sense and I was able to catch up. You know, we've done these things wibbly wobbly anyway for years. Um, and then, oh, yeah. and then, uh, so I started Dalek universe. One, well, I detect is, a rebuke, <laughs> <laughs> which is a 10th doctor, uh, uh, stories and there are three of those and I've I've listened to the first two so far and I've got the third one to go and it's really enjoyable I am thoroughly thoroughly enjoying this set and there's something that happens between the end of the first story and the beginning of the second story that just blew my mind for a long time and it was really clever and so I can't wait till we get there because I don't want to spoil any more because I don't want to give away what they did that just it it caught me by surprise and i was really and then later on it it turns it on its head again and 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 something else happens that i completely did not see coming so it was pretty cool and i'm I'm looking forward to us getting to those um and then i did a lot of stuff this week and then i I watched uh finally holly and i got around to watching uh bill and ted face the music which we both quite enjoyed um, I thought it was. I thought it was very much uh, in the same style and tone, and it 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 feels like a Bill and Ted. I was I was afraid that being so many years out that it just wouldn't quite hit the mark, and I think it hits all of the all the marks of a good Bill and Ted story, and and a really good you know finale kind of to wrap up the trilogy. So, and then the other thing I watched was Two Hundred Motels, which is a nineteen seventy one Frank Zappa directed um mockumentary uh have you guys ever seen it Mm-mm. it's just no. a, it's a crazy mind trip it's just it's uh, Frank Zappa yeah it's uh, it, it's got Ringo Starr in it and I've been kind of going back looking at some uh, Ringo movies that I hadn't watched and it's visually it's really neat um as far as anything else it's just kind of mind bending and and weird and kind of an assault on the senses <laughs> so i was i was glad that i watched it but uh it's not one that i would ever go back to <laughs> uh hmm. anyway i think that is it yeah and then of course we, we're still continuing on our uh, mcu watch so we've got up to thor dark world which holly actually liked better than the first thor film which i rarely oh. hear anybody say, say that so It'll be interesting to see what she thinks of Thor Ragnarok. Did you see that it was 10 years ago that the first Thor movie came out? Wow, has it been 10 years? Like this week, yeah. Wow, wow, that's crazy. Well, we almost watched it on the uh, <laughs> on the anniversary. We just watched it a few weeks back. So Yeah, pretty close. And of course, for anybody that didn't remember, we're doing them chronologically this time as opposed to release order. So That's why... Thor Dark World was this week because according to the guide that I'm going by, Thor Dark World is happening either congruent or before the events in Iron Man 3, even though the release was flopped. So I didn't guess I didn't realize that until I was looking at my list. So 
Anyway, that's hmm. pretty much all I did. I kind of monopolized all the time here, but oh, you're all right. <laughs> um, Sean, I'm assuming you're an episode behind on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm, yeah, we are. We have not seen um, Fridays. Okay, it will be tomorrow that we get to it. Although I do have a question. <clears throat> uh, I, I have seen a meme of dancing Zemo. <laughs> Is that from Fridays, or did I miss something? No, you, you missed it. That was way back when they went to Mandragore. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wondered if that's where it was from. Yeah, that was the uh, uh, the party that um, uh, Sharon uh, Carter was. They went to because they had to. She had that party that was going on with all oh, the different okay. all the different art uh, people and the connections that she needed to make. And uh, he's that scene is him sitting there dancing in the. Apparently it's, there's like an hour's yeah. worth of footage. Well, it's a, it's a, it, it's not. It, that's the alleged thing, but it's not really. It, a, a lot of the footage that Disney went, they uh, the fans clamored for Disney to release whatever they had, and so Disney did, and they released an hour of him dancing. But it's it's only in all about two minutes looped. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so over and over again, it's the same. I didn't actually go watch the video. Yeah, it, it is an hour-long video. They did, it was kind of, I think it was a joke. They went, aha. Uh-huh. I think it was a b- delayed uh, April Fool's joke, but uh, mm-hmm. they said they had a whole hour worth of him dancing, and it, it's not really a whole hour. <laughs> the one that I saw was, you know, just two or three minutes, but it was uh, Zemo dancing, but it had been put to strong bad. <laughs> if you remember the old uh, Homestar Runner cartoons. Yeah. So it's Strong Bad and Company going, mm, school, mm, school, mm, school. <laughs> I think I saw that one too. It tickled me. And then I got afraid maybe I had been spoiled. So No, no, no. You're good. Okay, good. That happened a few weeks back. So Yeah. Cool. Well, At my age, they all start to blend together. <laughs> Should we move on to our review? We're doing another Mucho Master this week. Mucho master. I don't know if there's really a, first up. Listen, the stars. I was gonna say I don't know. We're we're uh, these are uh, we should set it up by saying these are three master stories from the Doctor Who annual of 1974, and the first two that we'll be reviewing are uh, short stories, and the third one is a comic in that same annual. So, Tardis Wiki has a summary for this one. Oh, cool. Joe is working for Professor Marco Vetic. I don't know if that's correct. And has he and he has created a device of great interest to the master. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some synopsis. I said it was a summary, not a synopsis. Yeah, you're right. It did you did say summary. Alright, to be fair. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Sean, what did you think of uh, this story featuring the Master and Doctor Who? Twitch, Doctor Who, Twitch. <laughs> uh, I was. It was fun. It was. It was a little jarring right off the bat because you know Joe's here, so we we get some some techno babble with the ionic vibration level, <laughs> uh, and then suddenly Professor, and you're like. Oh, they, they screwed it up already. What are they going to do? Call him Dr. Who next? <laughs> Only to find out it's not the doctor. It's another professor that she's assisting. Right. Which, I don't know, seemed like, 
like cheating. <laughs> it was like, how dare you assist other scientists while he's off doing whatever he's doing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it, it, I, I, I thought it was a, a fun little story. Uh, his, his little wonky device here, uh, gets, uh, sabotaged accidentally, accidentally by a cleaning lady. Right, right. Uh, and the master uses that to tap into her brain waves to allow a, a monstrous thing from, oh, where was it? Uh, Gigger. The Zex from the system Gigger. Gigger. Uh, on the fourth paraleptic level of the galaxy, which I, I love the fact that Doctor Who can write such ridiculous, you know, we don't even question it anymore. Well, that's what I find fascinating about this is this story came out in the 74 annual, which presumably came out in 73. And it it has this kind of writing, which is something that you kind of equate to. I mean, the people that were writing this way with these kind of high-minded concepts were, you know, Isaac Asimov and those kind of people, but uh, even Arthur C. Clarke. But you wouldn't expect that, I don't think, from like a short story in quote unquote a family or children's, you know, annual. Um, so to have such a complex thought of a story, you know, a complex thinking uh, story, I thought I was really impressed by that because it wasn't just some, you know, on the surface, when you look at these, you almost kind of expect, um, you know, kids storybook type stories and these really aren't these are geared towards all audiences and i was really impressed by that mm -hmm. i was referring more to just the the ridiculous naming well yes yes <laughs> on the fourth paraloptic level of the galaxy it's 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 complete meaningless gibberish but because it's doctor who we accept that gibberish and go uh-huh <laughs> well that's Where the same from? thing what, what the heck's an ionic vibrator supposed to be i mean yeah exactly right, exactly I mean, it's just or where are you from? Modulator. Oh, okay. But that's <laughs> that's my point, though, is they come up with these kind of complex ideas, even though they're silly and kind of whimsical. At the same time, I mean, we're talking about an inter interdimensional, you know, being from well, I, it's from another planet, but coming across, you know, uh, in, in a different means rather than a ship or something, you know, being tra transported yeah. here, which I think was is. Again, pretty impressive that they come up with something like this back then. It's not something I would expect from the era. Oh yeah, definitely not. And the fact that it takes over then the the cleaning lady and they're able to. How did the doctor put it? It made the time jump to Earth. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But yeah, and that's and that's something that uh, um, I, I've been uh, fortunate. Uh, because of the, uh, what is the name of it? Doctor Who Journey Through Time, I think is the name of the book, which collects a lot of these kind of short stories from the annuals. Uh -huh. uh, and I loved reading that as a kid because they were short, little digestible, you know, nuggets of who uh, that ranged uh, across all the doctors. Uh, so you kind of had a whole spectrum of them, a sampling. And they were always these kind of just weird, oddball, you know, it, it, it was just great fiction that it didn't necessarily have to amount to a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so this was just right up my alley. <laughs> it was oh, yeah. like, it yeah. just, just took me back and the little illustrations that went along with it. It was like, yeah, more of this, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to describe it is great fiction that doesn't have to amount to a lot. I mean, that's exactly what this is. It's right. very well written, very well described, but it, there's, there's not a lot of meat to it and there doesn't need to be. 
Right, yeah. right, exactly. And, and you know, a fork and an egg <laughs> <Right>. cup. <laughs> <laughs> At first, I thought they were going to go in a direction of uh, the doctor being dressed up as the cleaning lady again. <laughs> I did, too. I'm glad I'm not the only one that went there. <laughs> My first thought was the doctor. It was like, well, no, there's no reason for him to be masquerading as a cleaning lady. <gasps> what if it's the master? Because we did assign this for Mucho Master Week. Right, yeah. right. And I thought that would be kind of a wonderful little turning of the tables. Yeah. Well, yeah. In a way, he kind of does because yeah. he well, hypnotizes her. <laughs> that's just it. We hadn't talked much about the master's involvement in this story. He's certainly at least privy to this device because he wants to get his hands on it as well. And he sort of uses uh, the situation, the the accident that she has to his advantage, and is able to you know hypnotize her. So, well, and 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 once again, it's you know pretty standard master mo. Right, right. You have more power oh, yeah. than I do. Want to team up and help me overthrow the planet? Right. Okay. <laughs> and then he's kind of directing traffic. You go forth and destroy everything. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see you shrink Ray one guard. <laughs> this whole thing. The clinging lady, now possessed by Zex, just strides out into this wave of destruction, and you are nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Way to team up, Master. <laughs> oh, let's see. Yeah, so 70, 71 was the Master's first appearance. So this would have been... A few years into the master's uh, time on Doctor Who, and I think that they, I think that the the characters in this story are are very well done and very well caught. I think the brigadier is probably the only one, and and fortunately, it's such a small, you know, situation that it doesn't it doesn't matter in this one. Uh, but yeah. I, I think it's it's. I, it, I think the master. You were saying this is kind of the master mo, but I think that the the, the master is being very master like here, and I think that was one of the things that's appealing about it. Oh yeah, very much. Well, so. and when you have such a short story, you don't want necessarily the master to be outside of his normal mo. Right, right. You kind of want because it's so short and concise. You don't. It gives you a lot of shortcuts to have him act the way he always acts. Right. You very much want to rely on all the characters to be familiar already. So. Including poor Mike Yates, who's lying unconscious. <laughs> oh, that's right. His, it was, it was Mike. very brief appearance. That's right. It was Mike that got uh, waylaid. I forgot about that. I was thinking that was the Brigadier, but it was it was Mike Yates got waylaid. I think the Brigadier got waylaid too. But... Uh, yeah, I think you're right because I think there's a in there a picture of him getting like doubled over or something and dropping his gun. Yeah, I think he got uh, yeah. he got broomed. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, she broomed. Him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fun stuff. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to the next one. Is there a uh, summary for this one? I don't have a summary for Out of the Green Mist. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, Sean, you want to start this one? Sure. Uh, I I was thrown with this one because uh, the the illustration of the Doctor on the, the, the cover page of Out of the Green Mist, it's clearly Pertwee. And yet, the hairstyle, <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's it's the third doctor with the second doctor's hair. Okay, again, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> I know, I thought the same thing. I thought, why, why does he have his mop top there? He should have curlier hair than that. I mean, he did have more of a uh, subdued bouffant, but it just, it's it not that subdued. <laughs> Well, and it's it, he has kind of the the Capaldi look going on, where it's 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 short here in first season, and keeps getting longer <laughs> right. until the last season. It's right. like, dude, you need you need to trim, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, but you, you need to trim that up a little bit. But I'm looking at this picture, and standing next to the Doctor is what's obviously Joe Grand and Bessie, and so my brain just kind of short circuited because it was like. <laughs> What is she doing with the second doctor? This must be a crossover. <laughs> so I start reading and, and, and it's, it's a, an interesting setup that uh, she comes home uh, to, to unit HQ and everybody's asleep and unconscious because it's late and shame on you, Joe, for being out at all hours of the night. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, she goes to describe the doctor with his shock of graying hair, flamboyant cloak and it's like okay well, it's it's the doctor and he's talking to somebody in the green mist and it's like oh well obviously it's going to be the second doctor <laughs> <laughs> imagine my surprise when the second doctor is not in this story at, at all, all. <laughs> nope <laughs> wow your brain went somewhere i didn't go at all <laughs> Me neither. the power of that image i so just then i get to the second picture and it's for all intents and purposes it's the brig with a beard <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, you know, Nicholas Courtney would rock. I mean, we've seen him with a beard when he was older, but as a young man, he'd probably rock that. They should have given him a beard instead of an eye patch. And, and I was kind of down that rabbit hole. <laughs> you got to quit looking at the pictures, John. <laughs> I know. The art yeah. in this one really spoiled a lot I of mean, stuff. I mean, I liked the artwork in it, but that's not even the brig. That's the master. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, I, I fell into the green mist. So. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, the story was pretty good. I enjoyed it the was good. The it story was, was pretty good. I think the thing, though, that I thought was, it, it probably wasn't a, it wasn't a borrowed idea. And the reason I say that is because I'm sure this these were written by two different authors. But there's a very similar trope in here of something that has come across, yeah, interdimensionally or inter, you know, stellar travel without a ship you know coming across time and space and and so that there were echoes of that same thing from the first story and i thought okay that seems like a cop-out to kind of have sort of the same uh, stories there's enough difference here that I, I i thought it was cool the fact that it was a uh the first thing that came through was the you know the the evil and he's warned about it uh, from the second one that comes through uh, that does end up, you know, allowing the doctor to come through to the other side. And I thought that was kind of an interesting concept, too, that at the end, the doctor, I got the impression his mind went away and he was, you know, obviously still here. Well, he wasn't here in I guess they didn't they didn't know where he was, but he was gone mo moments as far as, you know, uh, the other characters are concerned. But I got the impression he felt like he was gone for a long time. Right. Did you get that? As yeah. Well? Decades yeah. and thousands yeah, of years. Right. Or so I just I thought that was kind of an interesting concept, too. It's something that they've done, you know, more recently, but it's not something you think of from uh, Third Doctor era Doctor Who. Well, and then the fact that he makes it is implied that now he's starting to forget what he saw, too. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. 
Right, and that that's pretty cool. Yeah, it and it's almost a little heartbreaking at the end because of the fact that he yeah. won't be able to remember all of the, you know, the fascinations that he learned. So, you you talk about kind of the high minded. Unfortunately, as far as the master goes, all he does is really, you know, provide the action of the story, dressing up as the brig doing the portrait, which is. Nice. Although, although it does lend to a very funny uh, image in my mind when the brig comes in and he's in, you know, nothing but a dressing gown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talked about the high-mindedness of these and the fact that, uh, you know, you, you got more than you really kind of expected from this story. And this one in particular, I felt, was very much in that. It was like, wow, there's, you know, you, you, you've got this everything but the cosmos kind of you know uh-huh. uh, knowledge dump and the fact that it takes five minutes but yet he's traveled for so long and uh you know uh, it, it's it's a it's a very heavy story in a way it is the complexity there's some big concepts here yeah the complexity of the of the plot is is really fascinating and, and I, I think it's really well done it's it's you know i or i'm using high-minded but it, it's not in such a way that it's you know you it, it doesn't land with you as a reader it's you know it, it is still very visual and not not difficult you know for for an average reader you know, you i think anybody can understand it and get something out of it so yeah yeah another good story though i really enjoyed it i i'm kind of like we were talking earlier about uh, off off uh mike where we were talking about reading uh more of this annual since we have it and i think i've read a little bit more than that but there's a lot of things in here although a lot of them i think are more kind of real world stuff in here as well uh uh in between all the different stories too but there looks like there's a lot of other fun stuff in this annual so another fun thing in the annual is the comic that's included and that is the time thief when United Nations vessels carrying radioactive isotopes are attacked by war machines from a different eras, the Doctor and Joe are called in to investigate. The answer to this mystery lies far away in a race under the sway of the Master. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> this has a lot of great action, but doesn't quite make a lot of sense. Um... The idea of it is good, but I agree that it feels a little disjointed. Like it's it's almost for the the it's a story for the sake of the visuals rather than the story that it involves. Uh, the idea of them finding this, you know, um, I don't know what you would call it, a, a fissure that they can you know travel through again. We're talking about now this time they actually travel there rather than somebody coming to them but you know this this fissure in time that they're able to go through or in uh, time and space where they're able to go through to this other planet where the the master has already uh, uh subdued this race uh to do his bidding um again a lot of stuff there but not a lot of story behind it and they end up getting back and uh uh i i I presume that it was left with the master being stranded there right after the explosion of the uh that's the impression i got yeah the machine oh i just assumed he ran off to his tardis well that's what i wondered because i didn't know if he had gone through in this same location in this cave that the doctor and joe had gone through or if he actually had his TARDIS at this point and was able to travel to this world. Although, I mean, there's a lot of coincidence and a lot of uh, 
uh, things that are not quite accidental as far as things, but the, for the doctor to end up in a cave somewhere on Earth that transports him to this world where the master just happens to be and has landed there as a TARDIS, I mean, we can kind of give credit to the uh, coincidences uh, happening with the TARDIS because sometimes you can pretend that the TARDIS has, or at least rationalize that the TARDIS has placed the doctor where he needs to be. But in this case, the TARDIS has nothing to do with it. So it is a little bit of a stretch to, to think that they would end up in the same spot. But Yes, and I... Well, unless, unless the Master landed his TARDIS there, discovered this alien race, and this access to Earth. And well, therefore, that, he's that could be trying too. to infiltrate Earth. And it's, it's, a, it's a reverse sort of situation. That's the true. The Master's yeah. part of doing this instead of the and Doctor's. Th- this would be the, the only reason the Doctor knows is be- or finds out is because the Master is utilizing the, the portal. That's a good point because he is utilizing it to because he's going to send his army through in order to subjugate Earth. So, yeah, I guess that, now, that does make sense. How he got the old military hardware is not ever explained. No, no. There's a lot of things. <laughs> Once that it's revealed that it's alien. I mean, it's what? what? Right, right. <laughs> like, let so me get this straight. Almost like two different stories in one. You, you have the option. Line. You have the option of sending stuff through this, this portal to attack Earth. Okay, cool. And the, the race of people that you are hypnotizing have conquered, whatever. They have flying machines. Like fairly sophisticated shuttlecraft, skips, speeders, whatever we're going to call them. Okay. Leads me to believe there's probably a ray gun on this planet somewhere. But (laughs) no, we're going to use this technology to reach further back in time (laughs) and bring forward a couple of World War I bombers. Right. Now, keep in mind, a World War I bomber is essentially a propeller and some wings and a guy who's leaning out the window, <laughs> dropping things by hand. <laughs> <laughs> and the bombs usually have a little wind-up timer on the nose of them. That's how that's how sophisticated this uh, was. Ah, uh, but it's the element of surprise, Sean. You wouldn't expect World War II lift with bombers. <laughs> you, you, you are so correct. I did not expect that at all. Actually, there anyone lifting. And obviously, unit zeros. didn't either because. You know, it took them three times before they sent the doctor to go investigate. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so here you are as the master, and you're going, ah, okay, that was a successful test. Let's do it again. <laughs> and a third time. And now I'm ready to send my army through with the ray guns. Right, right. Uh, you know, it doesn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> but... There was a hovercraft. All is forgiven. Scuba diving. Yeah, I, it, it was so. It was so Johnny Quest. I just I didn't care. Well, and, I was there and, for it. And a shuttle that resembled, but was larger than the Humobile, uh, which yeah. I I thought they were going. I thought they were going there when I first turned to that panel. I thought, oh, is this going to explain how he gets the Humobile? And then as you examine it a little bit more, it is larger. And they talk about this flying, and I don't remember if the Humobile flew or not. Oh, it did. Yeah, it did. It flew. It did. So, yeah. So this is a little larger. Uh, it's got a little different design to it, but it's very similar, too. So I kind of I kind of wondered if they were going to go there, but they didn't. They really just used it to get back to the spot in the water so that they could go through that cave tunnel again. So 
funny enough, we just watched uh, Planet of the Spiders on uh, on Pluto. Oh yeah, and uh, Billy was over, and so he got to sit down and watch the amazing chase with every vehicle <laughs> under the sun, including the little mini hovercraft. Right, right. And he's like, "So Pertwee, Pertwee just drives all this stuff," and I was like, "Yep." <laughs> and then the Humobile took off, and he kind of was like, "I think I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> that was enough. I was like, for "No, him. no, man, this is the best part." <laughs> Because uh, after yeah. this, they go to the spider planet. It kind of starts to lag, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, the hovercraft, you had me at hello. We've got a hovercraft <laughs> in a in a plane that we're going to parachute. Out. Okay, yeah. It's like G.I. Joe Comics. <laughs> I'm so ready for this. And then you get the, the, the joke <laughs> at the end. <laughs> so that's the end of the master. Oh, I very much doubt it, Joe. But it's certainly the end of that little plot. Told him it wouldn't work. <laughs> That's probably also the uh, the author of this story talking to the editor that told him that this is how he wanted the story crafted. <laughs> and um, you get that weird, not quite a murka sea dragon monster <laughs> thing. I thought that was kind of cool, though. It was really cool. Oh, yeah. It was a cool looking Good. design. All the art in this looks great. Oh, I loved it. Loved it, loved it. I don't care that the plot is ridiculous. Yeah. I really, no. it, it, yeah. Oh, there's an underwater force field. Well, I better go back and build something to handle it. <laughs> well, I think you said, I don't remember if it was about this one, but it was about something in this, that this was just a lot of fun. And all of this was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. We have been tap dancing around the uh, elephant in the room that um, Doctor Who is used as a name not once, but many times in all of these stories. And every time that they would call him doctor who i every time i didn't cringe but i could feel you cringing from blocks away because sean and i live about i don't know 10 blocks from each other i could feel it from that distance and so i just thought you know <laughs> poor sean having to put up with it and not only was it doctor who it was abbreviated doctor. Oh, yeah dr period yeah dr period it was so bad <laughs> it was it's a uh, it's a product of, of its time, and I think we've talked about it before. But I mean, this was very commonplace, and especially in the '60s and '70s, and it even trailed into the the '80s. Although in the '80s, it was more the the uh, notwees that did, or the uh, the average people that didn't necessarily watch Doctor Who that called him Doctor Who. But this was very typical of the '60s and '70s. They didn't do it in the uh, series so much, with the exception of the war. Uh, was no what not war games uh war machines war machines um but they did do it a lot in like materials production materials they yeah they did it a lot in in comics i think you find they'll find this all through uh, uh tv action as well um where they'll refer to the character as doctor who and i think at the time it was probably you didn't have people that watched it that, that, that did cringe and say, well, you know, got all hoity-toity and said, well, it's the Doctor. He's not, his name isn't actually Doctor Who. But I think that's something that came about, and especially came about in, in the era that, that Sean and I started watching. So I think that's why for us and fans our age uh, and, and older that do that, or, and even younger, I think, that do that, oh, I guess I should say younger, um, that do that, oh, kind of, eh, it's not exactly the Doctor, it's, it's, it's not exactly Doctor Who, but it's the Doctor, but I think I'm a lot more forgiving than, than Sean is. 
Well, you know, it, it, it's a it's a personal thing at this point because I do die a little inside each time I read it or see it or hear it, and I, I I've let it go. I, I really genuinely have let it go to the you know I don't bother correcting people. I just I just kind of nod and go uh huh because yeah I'm, you, you've killed me, but. I understand where it comes from. And you're right, from a promotional standpoint, it's totally the way they, they, they marketed things back then. And I've kind of set my brain to this weird perception filter where if I see it on something, I, I, I just it just kind of blurs out. I don't even read it anymore. <laughs> it just becomes where the doctor. <laughs> it, it's, it just changes to the doctor. Yeah. I Not as successful within a fictional work. When, you know, when I'm reading something and I'm I'm trapped in the story right, now, right. and I'm a, I'm a hostage to the fiction, and all of a sudden somebody goes "dr." period who, and my brain goes, "Okay, we're gonna let it go. Just keep going." <laughs> <laughs> and and, and a, a good chunk of what has kind of helped me move past that was the interview with with Peter Capaldi when they were talking about him writing to the fan club and and you know kind of pestering them and. The guy blew him off, so he kept writing, kept writing, and finally he said, okay, here, here's all the stuff that you wanted, here's this, here's that. And uh, I, I think it was, um, oh, what's his name? The the guy that does all the interviews with the late night hosts over there in England. Um, Graham Norton? Ra yes, Graham Norton. And Graham and Norton, it looks at me and says, hey, you know, I, well, who is this guy? Where is he now? And everybody has a big laugh at this poor schmuck's expense who used to be the editor of the uh, of the Doctor thing. And he says, and look, and look how that turned out. And Capaldi goes, yeah, I'm Doctor Who. <laughs> really? And I, I watched that clip, and of course I went twitch, 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 twitch. But it's like, you know, the, the, the dude is a fan. Yeah. He's from that era, yep. so it's ingrained in him that it's okay. So right. if it's okay for him, I kind of have to be oh, okay. Good. All it. right. <laughs> now, do I still yeah. twitch? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to mention something similar. It used to bother me too until I started hearing all of the actual doctors, old and new, yeah, kind of refer to themselves as Doctor, Doctor Who, Who and yeah. all the promotional stuff of everybody referring to the character as Doctor Who in the UK, and then right. it stopped bothering me. Right. It's weird how that changed, that they went to just the Doctor. And, and you're right, it was about the fourth Doctor, that they, even in the titles, that they started just right. crediting him that way. Um, and yet, it, it didn't change. I mean, maybe it did for American audiences, because that was our introduction to it, but it, it didn't change anybody else. They're like, you can call him whatever you want, we're going to do our thing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but I, digress. Book, I think Chibnall call him Doctor Who. So, <laughs> well, and you know, Moffat took some jabs too to the to the uh, at yeah. the, uh, the character's expense by you know bringing it up with Missy in that last season of uh, Capaldi's era. So, <laughs> well, speaking of Missy, nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> Not forced at all. <laughs> Missy, number one. Missy wages war on the Doctor, but this time she's not alone. Can the combined brilliance of the third and twelfth Doctor avert her deadly scheme, or will she get her hands on a secret weapon capable of wreaking havoc on the universe? Spoilers. 
That's the synopsis for the whole story. Yeah, I just say, spoilers, uh, I didn't know where this was going, because in this particular story, we only get Missy, and the, the surprise to me was, I didn't expect it, that she's breaking the uh, Master, the Delgado version of the Master, out of Stormcage, which would just shock me. I had no idea that that's where this was going. I had no you know, preconceived notions of what this story was at all anyway, but I was quite surprised by that. And I was also yeah. a little surprised by the absence of the doctor with the exception of the third doctor checking on the master via, you know, communicate uh, long distance communications. Cause presumably he can't fly there to check on the master because I, I'm, I'm assuming his TARDIS still doesn't work, but well, maybe right. he, he alludes to that. He does too. allude to that. Okay. Yeah. So, so he's checking on him, but, um, and then Missy showing up and pretending to be the doctor, be an incarnation of the doctor in order to not let the master onto who she actually is and yeah. using the name you know, doctor who <laughs> even down to a question mark on her skirt. Right. Right. And if, she has a talk about she Missy's a, wardrobe. She has a moment. union Jack too. Doesn't she? Uh, is she wearing a large union Jack or am I? I don't think so. I couldn't remember. Like her hat or something. Something had a Union Jack on it. I no, she has rubber ducks on her hat. Oh, it was. Yeah, that's right. She had rubber ducks on her hat. I don't have the issue in front of me, so I can't remember for sure. But She's all she, blue and yellow and orange. That's right. I forgot, a, I forgot about the rubber ducks. And mismatched socks. <laughs> yeah. that, that still match the rest of the ensemble. Uh, and mismatched gloves that still match but of course they have to be opposite of what the socks are because right. you, you, could, you couldn't be all blue on one side that would just be that, that's crazy talk there <laughs> um masquerading as the doctor which I, I i i feel fortunate i got to finish this just before recording time because i'd kind of forgotten that we were reviewing this this week <laughs> it was a last minute add-on for me but masquerading as a doctor okay that's funny we get the we get the who joke which she has done before okay that's funny <laughs> But this outfit slays me because <laughs> the, the, the orange question mark at the, at the bottom of the, of the skirt is just, it's perfect because it's something that have had the doctor worn this, we wouldn't, we wouldn't bat an eye at it. It would just be, oh, we're doing that again. Yeah. But yeah. the fact that it's Missy kind of cosplaying as, as the, the doctor. doctor. Yeah. <laughs> it's the greatest insult <laughs> that you could possibly come up with. And now I want to see it. I, I want to see cosplayers put this outfit. Together. Oh yeah. 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 That yeah. would be so It would cool. be. And it's not as much of an assault on the eyes as the six doctors, uh, outfit. So that was very stylish. Yeah. I mean, and, and I love that the, the, the conversation between her and the, in the master, you, you think the doctors are snarky when they get together. <laughs> <laughs> oh course, my. Delgado thinks it is the, the doctor though. Right. So. Right. <laughs> it's debatable. I guess. You think he's on to her. I think as soon as she says, I doctor who am the one he's like, yeah, huh? <laughs> if he wasn't for sure aware that you're not who you claim to be. He is now. Yeah, and I don't suspect that he, I don't suspect he thinks that she is a future incarnation of him, but I do agree that he is doubtful that she is actually the Doctor. Right. 
I, I do enjoy the fact that she gives him the, uh, uh, you know, I'm in the, for the moment I'm in your debt. Well, for starters, you can try really hard not to stab me in the back as you want to do. I shall do my best. <laughs> and then he lunges at her with a sword. <laughs> Where did you really she call him out on a sword? <laughs> Where did that come from? Who knows? Where was he hiding this sword? I mean, who cares? <laughs> they go through this like corridor leading up to that, but then suddenly he brings out this foil, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> where where was he hiding this sword at? I mean, at, at least she yeah, had hers hidden. Sword. At least she had hers hidden in her umbrella, right? Oh no, you never see yeah. her. You never see her you pull hers her out. Pull it. She just yeah, she just it has too. it as well. Well, no, you. No, you see I her pull it out of the umbrella. No, she doesn't. Yeah, you, oh yeah, no. you do, you do. Yeah, in the uh, in the side in the frame, second to last page. Yeah, side frame of the last page. It's the oh, it's the page. far left. Uh, not the last page, but the second to last. I think. Yeah, or it's third to last. Right third to last. Yeah. She's pulling it out of the... She's actually... In the first two, she's holding the umbrella in a fighting stance. And then she says, it looks like I'll just have to... Wait, that's not right. And then she unsheathes it from the umbrella. So at least we we know where she got hers from. <laughs> Am I missing a page? <laughs> I do uh, not have this. <laughs> well, they're, they're, the, the pages, because we've got a review copy, are side by side. So if you scroll in straight down, you have to go sideways to each one. Because it, it's a it's yeah. like a gate spread. Huh. You must you must be missing a page. <laughs> I must I must be missing a page because I do not. Now I did think there was some weird editing because yes, I mine mine goes. I think you only read half of it. Yeah, you've only read <laughs> half the comic. Maybe so. I only read half of it. Then. <laughs> but yeah, no. It, on on mine, it goes straight from he 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 swipes at her with the sword, and she she's you know you really went and found a sword. Oh, what can I say? You inspired me. And then she realizes that he cut her uh, ascot. Ascot. Oh no, you didn't. And then immediately has the sword in her hand in the next panel. Oh yeah. <laughs> so no. it's like I I don't have a page here. Oh yeah, no, yeah. there's yeah, they're right no, next no. to it. So Yeah, you've only oh, read rats. half then. <laughs> I've only read half of this, so uh, no spoilers for the other half, will you? <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm gonna have to read the other half because I love this story. Oh, this it's it's so it's fun. great. It is it's it, oh, it, yeah. it, a wonderful start to this uh you know mini series that they're they're doing for Missy and and I'm thoroughly enjoying it and and to end this with the sword fight <laughs> and to end in the middle of this sword fight I think was was a really clever uh really clever ending you know it makes makes me want more it makes me want the next uh, issue. Oh, oh, hey, yeah. look at that. I have to scroll left. Yeah, you do. And it, the other half shows up. Right. Uh, and, ah! it, and if you're looking at it in a PDF viewer, sometimes it will only <laughs> show you the one page unless you... I had to, like, uh, zoom out, and then I was able to get both sides. Well, and you were saying that she was breaking him out of Storm Cage, and I didn't... Yeah, well, I just assumed that, okay. <laughs> if yes. Glenn wants to think it's Storm Cage, sure, why not? Nope, no, it's actually it's Storm right Cage Storm Containment Cage. Facility, 52nd <laughs> Century. Uh, maybe I don't want to read the other half. I don't want to ruin what I've, uh, <laughs> what I've experienced. Maybe it's here. not as good when you read the other half. Yeah, I know. What no. if the second half isn't, it, and it's not the second half like the ending. It's the second half is in the other literal second half of the comic. <laughs> I wondered how you I read like, it so fast. <laughs> I only read the odd page. You read it, you read it in half the time. 
Ah. Uh, well, that kind of makes that transition to the flashback make a little more sense now. Because <laughs> I did think that was weird, but it was like, well, yeah, it's a comic book. They even, cut stuff. Even, <laughs> in, even in its context, and I'm assuming there's going to be more of this flashback as well, because even in the context of the two pages that you do get of it, I was still a little lost to where they were going with that. So I'm not sure. I think there's more to that as well that we'll get in the development of this story. Keith, did you feel that way? Yeah, okay. yeah, I got that impression too. Okay, it's a great start though. Great start to this series. Great start. I really good. enjoyed it. Oh, hey, look, there's the sword. Sure enough. <laughs> <laughs> the other joke that I really appreciated was uh, when she snaps her finger, and goes, "Oh, a leash." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I knew I forgot something. Which, because we went and got a puppy today, we were in the car on the way to to go get him and uh, realized we we had bought a leash we didn't bring it oh with us. no <laughs> <laughs> so we had to stop and buy a leash so she said that and i i i cackled <laughs> half uh. this story was written for me <laughs> uh. i can't wait to see where this thing goes yeah me too for that matter i can't wait to see where it's been <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, what do we got coming up next on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we return to the world of Candy Jar Books and Lethbridge Stewart and the Laughing Gnome. The Havoc Files 5, which is a series of short stories set in that universe that all deal with uh, various and sundry and wonkiness, uh, is on the docket. And we will be finally getting back on track and reviewing that. Uh, and beyond that, we have uh, a, a, a special little thing. We want to thank, uh, throw out some thanks to Jamie uh, for mentioning it to us because I knew it was coming up, but it was kind of in the back of my head, and I don't know that I'd have actually, you know, been ready for it. Um, but in addition to 50 years of the Master, uh, this year is a, a very special uh, anniversary for Doctor Who the Movie. Uh, May 14th is the actual 25th anniversary of the air date of Doctor Who the movie. And so we will be going back once again, because we love that story, to uh, 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 take a look at it and uh, what its uh, legacy has been for all this time, along with uh, the Big Finish audio st uh, story, Master, which I've just been made aware is a box set, and there's three stories to it. Uh and so uh, the starring Eric Roberts as the master. So we're going to pair those two up for uh, for a fun look back. We'll be just a little early for, yeah, uh, for about a week that in, review. Week early. Uh, you're saying that wrong. It's actually master because there's an exclamation point. Oh, you're right. There's an exclamation point. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I put the I put the wrong emphasis on the syllable. <laughs> uh, and then uh, what else we got? We got scheduled out. Let's go ahead and. We, we do have it scheduled out. Uh, we, we'll be uh, taking a look at the just recently released Fury from the Deep, the animated uh, uh, version. So yay, no more uh, black and white lost segments that we have to do on that one. I mean, you can still watch it in black and white because I believe right, both right. of them are on the disc. They are. Uh, I'm only about partway into my explorations of the DVD, so uh, we'll be doing that the following week. And then we'll be taking a look. Thanks very much to our friends at Pencil Tip Publishing uh, for getting us a review copy of 
Sarah Jane Smith, Roving Reporter. Now, this is a, a collection of short stories that just released. And, uh, of course, they all feature uh, our beloved Sarah Jane. And uh, proceeds go to charity. So if you, uh, we'll, we'll make sure to put this in the, in the show notes for you. If you want to uh, get your hands on a copy, make sure you listen to that episode, because we might have one to give away. But if you just want to go buy it and submit uh, your, your, your hard-earned dollars to a good cause, you can do that as well. Very good. And then, of course, last week we did our Base Under Siege uh, special, and we asked you to send in feedback, and we did get some from Jamie, um, and we unfortunately did not get it in last week, so <laughs> we're going to read that now, and I think Keith's got it ready for us. He says, hello, Vortexers. Dang, it's been a while since I've sent one of these. I'm nearly caught up with the present in my listening. Got a few more, plus a handful of re-listens, and I'm all caught up. So Base Under Siege, or for brevity, bus. One of those Doctor Who story archetypes, or tropes depending on your point of view, like the historical. Originating primarily in the Troughton era, it's an easy story to write, but a TARDIS in some sort of military or scientific base, preferably one where the tension between the guest cast is already high, and throw monsters in. Simple, and way overused. <laughs> season 5 was a season where, of the 7 stories, I would consider 5 to be bus stories. Tube of the Cybermen is borderline, but I don't think it is one. On a slight side note, the only story in this season that doesn't feature a monster is the brilliantly, brilliant, brilliantly underrated enemy of the world in the middle of the season. Otherwise, it's Cybermen, Yeti, Ice Warriors, Troughton, and the Midpoint Break, Yeti, Seaweed Monster, Cybermen. The bus is a Doctor Who staple. When it works, it's fun. When it doesn't, it can drag a bit. From a production standpoint, it's a good deal, a good idea in that, especially in the classic era, it allowed the production crew to build a handful of sets that could easily be reused through four to six episodes, as opposed to, say, Keys of Marinus or The Chase, where you had a different set each week slash episode. Used sparingly and amongst a bunch of other types of stories, it's great. It's sort of like Doctor Who comfort food. Oh, a base under siege. I roughly know how this will work. I can turn off my brain and watch the Doctor defeat a monster. It's not usually a continuity-heavy or intricately plotted maze that has you concentrating hard to figure out how clever the writer thinks he is. As for me, I enjoy a good bus. There are a few bus stories I really like, and those that are just kind of there. When overused, they can get repetitive or just boring, but when used effectively, they're quite enjoyable. Having one scattered around here and there is great. In the new series, we have such bus stories as Dalek, Tooth and Claw, The Impossible Planet, Cold War, Sleep No More, and The Doctor Falls, just to name a few. Dalek and Cold War are great are great bus episodes. The blog and book series Tardis Erudium has made some interesting points about the bus formula, if anyone wants to hunt those down. They're well worth the read on their own. I don't remember those points off the top of my head, so I can't summarize here. Anyway, I'll leave it at that and let you get on with your thoughts. Enjoying this pod, the podcast as always. Keep up the great show, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. I think he landed on Jamie. a lot of the same points that we we talked about last week. On uh, sometimes they, if when used in succession, rapid succession, they can be kind of tired. And then we, I think we also touched on the fact that if it's done well, it's very effective. And when it's not done well, it can be a bit of a drag. So I think we all concurred with that. So. 
Very good. Thank you very much, Jamie, yep. for sending that in. And we apologies for <laughs> getting that away in a week later than we had intended. Well, be sure to check out our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, for updates on the podcast. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the Patreon link and consider supporting us. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. Anything else we need to touch on before we close this show? I don't believe so. If not, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. And thanks for listening. I'm going to thank half of you for listening, because as far as I know, I don't know if the other half are. I'll get back to you on that. (laughs) You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.